And I also worked in an office working for a music accounting firm, but opportunities would always come up and I'd always want to do music. I feel like when you're meant to do something and you keep doing it, it will just happen for you. And I wish I told my younger self, just keep doing it and don't feel like you can't do it because there isn't someone like you. Um, so I just hope young girls see what I'm doing. They're like, yeah, I can do that. And I, I wish I had that when I was growing up. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Keys Coach podcast. My name's Adam and I'm a keys player and this is the podcast where I sit down with other piano, keys and synth players and talk about their life in music. Today we're chatting with Tina Heisen. She's a session musician, MD, producer, as well as playing keys. She also plays violin and guitar and she sings. Over her career, she has played with so many different artists, including Dua Lipa, Roger Taylor, The Pet Shop Boys, Clean Bandit, Becky Hill, and she's currently on tour with Maisie Peters. This was a really interesting conversation. I caught up with her while she was having a rare day off in Manchester, and we chatted about so many things to do with the industry, what she practices, how she learns songs, her gear setup, and also how she began getting into the piano and keys in the first place. I loved this conversation, so we're just going to dive straight into it. Here is the conversation. I had with the amazing Tina Heisen. Tina, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's really great to uh, have you on. It sounds like you've had a bit of a mad few months traveling everywhere and performing and gigging. What, what's it been like? Has it been, has it been fun? Uh, yeah, it's been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm sorry it's taken so long for me to organize this, but I haven't been home for three months, I think. <laughs> wow. But it's what's been... that been like? Uh, it's been an amazing experience. Like this year has been one of my favourites, um, but also one of the busiest touring years for me. Uh, yeah. It's also been probably like the longest I've been away from home, like in stints. So um, at the beginning of the year, we toured New Zealand, Australia and Asia, and that was for two months. And amazing. I've just gotten back from a US tour, which was for two and a half months. Had two days at home and then now I'm on a UK tour that ends on the 3rd of November. Blimey, that sounds that sounds full on <laughs> and um, a lot of travel and I'm sure we're going to get into all of it. But you're on tour with Maisie Peters, right? Uh, yes, I am. Fantastic. And I've seen I've seen so many cool pictures of you in big stadiums and stuff. And we I absolutely want to talk about the guitar as well, because that is <laughs> we've, got, we've got to talk guitar at some point today. That's going to be good. Um, but I guess like. I mean, with these interviews, I tend to start with the same question, which, mm -hmm. which is just to get like an overview of how you got into this. So you're a keys player. I know you also play guitar and you play violin and you sing as well. So yeah. you're like a multi-instrumentalist. Which one of those, which one of those came first? Oh, um, well, I was, okay, this, my whole musical journey started um, when I was in the West End when I was four. Um, wow. So I played Tam in Miss Saigon. And I think that kind of just kick-started my kind of passion for music and performing. Then my parents saw how much I enjoyed that and they asked me if I wanted to learn piano and violin when I was yeah. seven. And that's how my whole musical journey really started. So I, violin was my first study and then piano was my second study. Okay, amazing. Four years old you were in Miss Agon. Yeah. <laughs> That must have been so, like, do you, do you remember any of it? Do you remember much of it? Um, I remember bits, which is crazy, because I yeah. barely remember what happened yesterday. 
but <laughs> um, so these weird flashbacks and stuff yeah, yeah absolutely and um it's weird because I also remember the smell of like going from my dressing room to the stage and it's so weird how yeah. like smells can trigger certain memories and that's so interesting you say that you've been uh, performing from that young because I've been I've been obviously checking out different videos and stuff. And the one thing that's shone through in all the different videos I've seen is just how comfortable you look on stage. Aww, and I think you. that's I, I don't I don't know whether that, that might just be because you've literally been doing it, obviously, since you were almost, you know, barely, you know, just that stop crawling. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, so you said you, you learned the violin. And mm-hmm. I mean, was that kind of like straight down the line, classical lessons and doing the grades was it that kind of vibe yeah um so I did Saturday school at Guildhall School of Music um at the junior school so from the age of seven till 16 I think I was there for every Saturday um and that was your stereotypical classical route had very scary violin teachers that would traumatize me every weekend (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so I used to that was my main study but then I also learned piano which I actually found way more interesting because I didn't, with the violin and classical pieces, it's very strict, I found. And you have to, you know, honour the music that's been written by these amazing composers. Uh, But there was a lack of freedom in expression, I felt. And Mm. one of the compliments my, um, well, few compliments my violin teachers would give me was my musicality and how that came through in my playing but obviously I never practiced enough because who wants to practice at the age of seven for like two hours and then you know when you're a teenager I don't want to practice four hours every day I want to have fun with my friends but you know you're like pulled in these two different directions because I love music and I love playing but um every Saturday I'd have to go to school and at 9am until like 3pm so that's just another full school day when all my other friends were having fun um so that was a little bit of a struggle but I'm obviously very grateful now for how that's paid off in my career yeah of course what kind of things were you doing in your piano lessons were they were they again straight down the line kind of classical lessons were they more improvisation based or what what kind of things were you doing so I started off doing classical piano um and then when I moved to um, like the bigger school when I was a teen. So it's like the high school version of Saturday school. Um, I decided to do jazz piano because I wanted to understand what I was playing. And I found with um, classical piano, I was just reading the notes and if the sheet music left me, I, I would forget absolutely everything and I'd actually not absorbed any of the information that was in front of me. Yeah. Um, and I also found that with violin. It? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. I get I, that's such a good way you put it though. With je- with learning jazz and learning more kind of chord symbols and how to play with chords, you li- you understand the music you're playing rather than sort of simply reading it. Were you writing at home as well? Were you kind of playing songs at home and and all that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, influences of mine were like Alicia Keys, Sarah Bareilles, oh, and then seeing. Yeah artists like that and especially females playing the piano and singing I was like I want to be like them I can do that um Mm. which was great because I feel like growing up there wasn't much representation in that aspect of like female well you got Carole King who's amazing another influence of mine um but that's that was my desire I used to love just playing the piano and singing at home and I remember in primary school everyone would play the recorder 
And obviously I did too. I love that. But then I wanted to be the one that was like accompanying on the piano whilst yeah. everyone was like, you know, tooting away on the <laughs> recorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, um, how did you find like learning by ear? Was that something that came quite naturally to you? Or was it something that you sort of had to work on? How did you work out what to play? Would you like listen to tracks and try and figure it out exactly what was being played? I mean, how did that work? God, um, it's so weird because sometimes I find it so easy to learn by ear. I think it did just come naturally, but yeah. also I remember like going to the library and borrowing sheet music for like, I think one of the first ones was Titanic, My Heart Will Go On, because that was like a lovely part on the piano that yeah. Celine Dion yeah. <laughs> would sing over. Um, so I would start with that and then I'd see like the chord symbols at the top and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then obviously yeah. piecing that together with my like, jazz piano studies like I'm not a jazzer at all my parents didn't listen to jazz growing up um but I really um I found it so interesting and I just wish I loved jazz in that way but I just didn't I just loved pop music mm. because that's what I grew up listening to I think um and I always found jazz quite complex and I just like the simplicity of pop music and yeah, just letting yeah, yeah. playing a song if anyone's listening to this and they're sort of in a similar position to you and they're thinking oh I really just want to be able to play really simple mm -hmm. songs on the piano what kind of things would you say are really a really good like starting place to do that what would you say is like your go-to how would you go about doing that well now that we have the luxury of internet just go on mm -hmm. YouTube and just like there's so many tutorials that you can check yeah. out and they're they're really easy to follow like even for me if there's something slightly more complex and I'm like I want to find out different voicings I, I will just like look at a YouTube tutorial and be like oh that's cool or if there's like little runs that I want to learn or like like little embellishments there's so many like different YouTube videos that are so interesting and that I continue to learn from so yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. a great place to start totally have you have you ever have you checked out the like the falling dots ones <laughs> oh yeah absolutely it's so hard I don't know that how is, people do I that I think that's actually harder than learning <laughs> I think if you can play from those <laughs> like they call it like the synesthesia videos don't they where you yeah. have the falling dots I think if you can actually play the piano from those that is actually more impressive than being able to play totally by ear <laughs> do you know what I mean? literally it's such a different that is like a crazy skill and I know people I think what they do is they they maybe slow down the video and like literally learn it almost like you would notation like yeah. learn it by a kind of rote you know it's quite mm -hmm. funny. But I love that thing you say about getting the sheet music and associating with the chord symbols. Yeah. That was like where I think I began to make some really big connections between what I was playing and what was in the actual song and recognising yeah. the sounds and, and all that kind of stuff. So where, where did it go from there? So you were kind of playing violin, you're playing piano, you're mm -hmm. working stuff out at home, having jazz piano lessons. What was kind of the next step in your, in your development? Uh, I went to Brit school at the age of 14. Fantastic, yeah. Um, and that really opened my my world up or the musical world up for me and because growing up I didn't realize you could be a session player I didn't realize that was a career that was feasible for me um I never saw that um I I feel like again not much representation or seeing myself in in the industry um but when I went to Brit school I saw and met so many people that wanted to do the same thing and that was amazing, but also kind of terrifying because I, I remember going into Brit and I was like, yeah, I want to be an artist. I want to be Alicia Keys. I want to be this person. Then I went there and I was like, maybe I don't. I think right. there are so many people that, that want to do it. And it's really interesting because 
again, like you need to have a really thick skin to be in this industry and like to keep going. And so it's, it was like motivating and inspiring, but also quite terrifying meeting like such alike people. What does, um, you mentioned like the term like session musician. And I think that mm-hmm. means, I've said this to a few people, I think it means something different to everyone, the term mm-hmm. session musician. And it's, someone explained it really well the other day is that I think some of the best session musicians bring themselves their own artistic voice to the music rather oh, than wow. just playing purely what they, you know, are, are sort of told to play and what's what's necessary. Yeah. I mean, how do you describe being a session musician? What is it being a session musician to you? Oh, now that you've said that, that's so interesting because I personally wouldn't say that I'm like a session musician because that in my head what that means is you just you go to like a recording session and you play exactly what is expected of you or like there's sheet music and you you do exactly that whereas uh, my experience and I guess what I do is just tour and play with different artists and you know we come up with different arrangements or I have some sort of freedom in terms of what I'm able to play and play about with and um, MDs that I've worked with have always been so lovely and have always like asked my opinion or like wanted me to be able to express myself and what I like and my influences into what I'm playing in the songs that we do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important as well because it makes you feel even more valued as a musician as well rather than just absolutely. trying to filling in the part or whatever whatever it is. How did you move into that kind of session world? How did that transition happen? Um... Well, I met a lot of musicians and artists at Brit, but after Brit, I decided to do an accounting degree. Um, But I did that, but I continued to do music. So I stayed in London. I didn't want to go out of London because I wanted to keep doing music and keep playing with my friends that were artists because they'd asked me to do gigs with them. And in doing that, I would do like the London circuit and play like the typical venues. I think there was one called Concrete and there was just, different kind of artists like songwriter nights that I'd be accompanying. And then my friend Shanice knew this artist called Jacob Banks and he was at one of the shows. And one night he was just like, do you want to play for me? And it's crazy how casual that interaction was. And again, like it's so like cliche but it's all about being at the right place at the right time knowing the right people and just making the best um impression on these people and that really kick-started my career into the session world because from then on I met other session players and then I was able to do a tour so at the time Jacob Banks supported Emily Sunday Mm -hmm. and then so I met more people there and then from playing with other people in that band I met my agent who's Bob Knight lovely lovely man and yeah it kind of just spiraled escalated from there well there's so much stuff in that I want to ask you more about (laughs) because like you've basically kind of like done your whole career in about a few sentences so I want to I want to break that down a little bit so you you met Jacob and I've seen some videos you performing with him I think there was one Mm -hmm. on later with Jules Holland which is just really cool which is highlight that must have been that must have been pretty cool because that's just you. It was, I think it was just you and him or maybe with a, a, like a small band as well, but the piano was yeah. very exposed in that. Yeah. So what was that like that first time you, you performed with him live? How did you prepare for it? Um, particularly because his music has very exposed kind of piano yeah. intros and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> how did that, how was that? And how, how did you find the whole process? Uh, 
I look back and I'm like, that's pretty nerve wracking. But at the time, because I was in my early 20s, I think I was 20 turning 21. Um, at that age, you kind of, you don't really deep anything out. I think if that was me now, I'd be terrified. Okay. <laughs> but at the time, I just kind of embraced it because um, I was at uni or like just graduated and doing music was what I wanted to do and kind of where I felt most natural. And I was like, I, I felt like this is what I was meant to do, as cheesy as it sounds. Yeah. So for a lot of people, they'd be terrified at the thought of playing live. But I was like, this makes sense to me. And this is what I enjoy doing. And I love this music. I, it was a beautiful song that we played. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Like I kind of thrived under the pressure. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see what you mean. When you're when you're rehearsing a part like that, what is your process for learning those songs? Um, is there something? So, for instance, if you got I don't know, you say back in the day when you had a gig with Jacob or whoever it is you're working with now, how do you go about learning all the repertoire and learning all the songs? What is your kind of process for that? Well, I guess now um, MDs will send me stems, so I'll have the isolated part that I I need to play, so I can just listen to just the piano part. Yeah. Um, so I'll do that, I'll set it up on a, on a door and just sit at my desk and just kind of go section by section. And I, I learn by ear because, you know, in the pop world, you're never given sheet music. You're like, this is a music, this, this is a song we're doing, learn it. I'm like, all right yeah. then, let's go. <laughs> uh, but one of the most stressful things is like when an artist like, yeah, I, we need to change the key. And I'm like, oh God. And especially when it's an intricate, piano part you know when it's like a beautiful piano ballad and they're like ah oh, yeah I'm just I'm not feeling well vocally today I, I need you to take Wait it down now. a tone and I'm like oh and my ego is like I can't press the transpose button even though people are like <laughs> just do it just do it I'm like no yeah, yeah <laughs> because yeah. it feels wrong yeah playing and not hearing what you're expected to play I well, find that so much. Yeah. When I play with the transpose on, it's like, it's like something, some things. I also have perfect pitch, which probably doesn't help. Ah, uh, yeah. But it's like, <laughs> it's a weird feeling though, isn't it? Because you've got yeah. so used to playing with that being, it's, you just know something's wrong and it's kind yeah. of, it, it sets you on hyper alert because you're like, oh, what's going on? You know, it's, <laughs> it's not a, um, yeah, it's not a comfortable place, place to be, I find. So how yeah. do you, you learn, you learn all the repertoire completely by you memorize it all? Yes. And then what about the kind of like programming side of it? Is that, is that a, is that a separate stage in itself or are you doing that as it goes along? Um, it's dependent on the gig because, um, with the bigger pop gigs and everyone running through Ableton, the MDs yeah. and their programmers program this, like the sounds. Um, so I don't have to do that on some gigs, but like in my earlier career, I would have to program the sounds on a synth or, yeah, so you really just have to sit there and just really figure it out. Like it's one of my least favorite parts of my job is sitting there and learning a song. Cause it's like, there's nothing more frustrating when you don't get it. Like, and then once you've got it, you're like, yes, I've done it. But it's, it's the journey to getting there, which is the most difficult I find. Yeah. And tedious. And it, yeah. And it's interesting. You don't write any of it down. So how do you know when you've actually learned it? <laughs> Whoa. Um, well, I, when I'm learning, I do just write chords or make some weird notes that no one else but me can understand. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. I never, I don't write the notes down. Okay. I kind of just want to be able to absorb it and feel it out. I think that's right. how I learn. Because I'm like, oh, this is where it is. This is 
how I play this because I don't want to be too reliant on the chords because when they're taken away from me, I feel like I've lost a leg or something. You mean when the original track isn't there and you're playing it No, live? when the the like the notes are away from me. So if I've oh, I see the written, okay, out, yeah. yeah, 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 I see, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I find that sometimes when, when I'm learning stuff, it's about knowing when you've actually learned it. Well, actually, answering your question there, I will play along to the part, so the stem, and then um, and along with like the other tracks. And when I'm able to mute my part and play along, that's when I know that I've, I've learned my part and uh, I'm not relying okay. on anything else. When you say when you say learn your part, and I'm I'm sure this varies from artist to artist and depending mm-hmm. on the kind of context, but how much are you playing exactly what's on the record, and how much mm. are you playing kind of you and what you want to add to the music, and how do you know whether something is something that's got to be there and something? Do you see what I mean? It's a, yeah, it's a kind of tight, it's a fine line to walk, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> um, well, obviously, it depends on the song. So if something is. Um, very parts or synth driven i i never change anything like i never change a part if that makes sense but okay. if it's more of a piano based song or piano based part i will play the chords and make little embellishments because i feel like that makes it sound more live and more authentic than just playing the given part that's on record and also i find like because producers now seem to play everything which is amazing yeah sometimes the producers aren't um they can play keys and they can play parts they can play the chords but they're not playing like a real person would play if that makes sense because sometimes they just program that part or you know yeah, it might have been drawn in, draw in. MIDI. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly um but i think it's just that comes with experience i find because it's even the same with drummers like um knowing when to just hold down the groove Mm. Or when you can just like do a little flourish or or do a little feel. Like I think it's all with experience and taste and, you know, being given the right direction and like help or influence. Um, I think that's just something you learn over time. Your your kind of CV of the people you've played with is just phenomenal, and it. <laughs> every, I was going through like a, a bunch, like a YouTube playlist. I think you've got like a YouTube playlist of different um, yeah. people you've played with. I guess how do you hold all this music in your head? And because presumably, like there oh. might be times when you're you're having to do one gig with one artist one day, and then the next week it's a different artist. I mean, how does that work? Is that just have you got better at that, or do you still struggle with holding all of those different songs? Uh, if I'm honest, um, I will only retain the songs or set for as long as I'm required to. If you ask me to play a Pet Shop Boys set now, I could not play that for you. Right, okay. Wow, <laughs> Which is okay. like, terrible to say. But I think muscle memory is a very big thing. And mm. um, I think obviously I would just need to freshen up on on the set and the, you know, the parts I'd be able to do it again but I, I think I've been lucky in my career that I've been able to just kind of go from tour to tour or like artist to artist mm. so I started off with Clean Bandit toured with them for a year and then I moved on to Pet Shop Boys toured with them for like three years and in that space I met Maisie and started playing for her so it's kind of I didn't really have to juggle multiple gigs at the same time. And when I've had to, I absolutely hated it. Like I, cause I, again, like I also struggle with functions because of the amount of 
repertoire you have to to know um yeah. by and functions you mean do you mean like kind of playing for like a corporate event or a wedding yes. or something like that right okay i see exactly that um yeah you just required to to know so many songs mm. and for those types of gigs i would definitely have to chart it out and like have my ipad up because i find them quite hard to retain whereas when it's a pop gig for an artist i don't know why but it makes way more sense in my head than having such different types of songs all in one set yeah okay i see what you mean yeah that's interesting you say you've you've pretty much gone from artist to artist how does that work you mentioned you have an agent as well Mm -hmm. do they kind of say oh we've got this new project with this artist coming up would you be interested in doing this and then presumably then the pet shop boys if you're leaving them they need to find another keyboard player so it kind of yeah is that kind of how it works (laughs) uh yeah i've been lucky enough that no one hates me for leaving the gig (laughs) and having to find someone else um but when I left the Pet Shop Boys to do other gigs, I recommended my friend, who's also a female keys player, mm. which, um, and she's on the gig now. She's lovely. She looked the perfect fit. But yeah, you just, there's quite a few of us or like, well, I wish there were more yeah. and I'm sure there will be. Um, and I'm hoping that as there's more representation, like um, a lot more younger females or non-binary people will want to be musicians as because they can see themselves on the stage and like oh I want to do that and like I'm so grateful that with Instagram I get really cute dms of like oh my god um I want to be like you or like oh I've, I bought a guitar because I saw you doing this yeah. on there somewhere and you know I think it's so important I think it's great that artists like Olivia Rodrigo have an all-female band I think it's amazing because yeah. and making that statement and because that speaks volumes if there's anyone listening to this podcast who is maybe you know starting out they're they maybe don't feel that they're necessarily represented we've you mentioned that when you were studying at the guild hall that there weren't a huge amount of you know people for you to look up to who are females who are doing the sort of mm-hmm. things you wanted to do so what would you say to kind of your younger self or anyone who's listening who's thinking maybe i'm i'm really interested in going into this into this world what kind of things would you say as advice or kind of bits of guidance just to kind of help them oh that's so interesting um i think just keep doing what you love to do um i think when i was young i was scared to admit that i wanted to be a musician or do music because i just thought it wasn't attainable but it really is you know and i feel like when you're meant to do something it will happen you know, I, I had a career or could have pursued a career in accounting. You know, I got my whole degree. I also did all of the exams. Oh, wow. um, um, but I always and I also worked in an office like pursuing accounting, being an accounts assistant and um, working for a music accounting firm. But opportunities would always come up and I'd always want to do music. And, you know, I feel like when you're meant to do something and you keep doing it, it will just happen for you. Um, and I wish I told my younger self, just keep doing it and, you know, don't give up or don't feel like you can't do it because there isn't someone like you. Um, so I just hope that young girls see what I'm doing. They're like, yeah, I can do that. And I, I wish I had that when I was growing up. That's so lovely. Yeah. And I think it's so, yeah, so, so important that this industry becomes 
representative of the people in society. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it can seem like quite a male-dominated industry and quite yeah. sort of unachievable. And 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 I think, um, yeah, well, well, I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, yeah, fantastic. Um, on all these different gigs, I imagine you have a completely different setup. Um, do you have mm-hmm. like a standard keyboard that you go to, or is it is it does it change from gig to gig depending on what you're doing? It changes from gig to gig and what's required. Um, on every single gig I've done, it's been different. So on the Pet Shop Boys, they provided all the gear, so I didn't really have a say in what I played. Right. Which is fine, you know, I'm happy to, that makes my life quite easy. Um, But on the Maisie gig, um, I have a Nord Stage 3. Roland synths are amazing, and I've got a Phantom on the Maisie gig, and it does exactly what the gig requires. It's great for pop. Um, And I also have a Kitar, which started off as a joke, (laughs) and everyone was like, yeah, let's do it, Tina. I was like... Okay. Let's talk the guitar because I, I, I think that's one of the things that's really unique about you. It's, it's not something you see a lot, actually, is it? No. A guitar. And I, I kind <laughs> of, for not. me, it like conjures up like images of like Herbie oh. Hancock and all of that kind of world mm. and um, Stevie. Stevie and all those people. I mean, so where did that come from and where, when did you get your first guitar and how did you kind of, <laughs> how, did you, <laughs> how did you just begin to work it into the set? Uh, well, after lockdown, we were in rehearsals for our our first big festival set, which was at Latitude in 2021. Right. Um, and we were putting together the Maisie set. And there, she had a song called Sad Girl Summer. And my part was a bass line, which was quite groovy. Um, and we don't have a bass player um, okay. in our current setup. Yeah. Um, and I thought... This would be really fun to play on the guitar, Live, you know, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. can groove, um, I can have some freedom because I love playing keys, but I also love to dance about mm. and have a nice time. Um, and I was just like, I just made a joke about it. I was like, hey, guys, like, what do we think about the guitar? Thinking everyone would shut me down because, you know, there's the stereotype that it's not very cool. It's very, what, 80s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of um, what I meant when I was saying Very about, dated. Yeah. Um and they're like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> All right, then. Um, because I built this really good relationship with Roland ever since I did the Dua Lipa gig, mm. um, they they always want to help me. And they were like, yeah, of course we can give you a guitar. Awesome. Um, and that's kind of where the journey began. Um, and we always try and work it into the set. Um, obviously, I'm not playing it like Herbie or um, Stevie, you know, with, because I... I don't really know if anyone needs a guitar solo in anything, <laughs> in any pop music. Um, but it's nice to kind of play in a different way. I, it was quite hard to switch from, I guess, playing horizontally to yeah. somewhat vertically. Um, and also being like stood, like being able to walk around and play as well. That must be so, like, it's so, so freeing. freeing. It must be like being a guitarist or something where you can walk about exactly. that same kind of. I imagine the crowd go absolutely wild for it as well. Yeah, they actually do, surprisingly. A lot of people don't really know what it is. So I feel like I'm kind of introducing it to a whole new generation and they don't have the preconceived like judgment of like, oh, that's that's a bit old school. That's a bit weird. They're like, oh, sick. That looks really cool. And I'm like, yes. You're starting, you're starting like a craze of guitar players, I reckon. I reckon it's, it's going back, <laughs> yeah. it's good. Yeah, I mean, the dancing thing's really interesting as well because mm-hmm. th- that 
in all your videos, particularly with Maisie, the one the ones I've yeah. the ones I've been watching, you're dancing on your stage, and you're very much like a part of the performance, as opposed to this. Is what I mm-hmm. kind of meant about the session musician thing, yeah. it doesn't feel like you're a session musician. It feels like you're kind of <laughs> integral to that kind of performance and what's going on on stage. So. Where did the dancing, I mean, presumably this might have gone all the way back to Miss Saigon, right? <laughs> but where, yeah. where did the dancing <laughs> thing sort of come in as well? And, and that's obviously like an amazing string to have to your bow as well. So again, I like, so my background, I'm Filipino. Both my parents are Filipino, um, but I was born in the UK. Um, but I grew up like as part of the Filipino community in London. And right. I would go to Saturday school again after violin and piano and do dance lessons with other Filipino kids. But then my mum also like enrolled me to do ballet tap and jazz from a young age. Wow. So yeah. Busy Saturday. Sounds like very busy yeah. Saturday. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of hobbies. Yeah. Um my mum always joked, she was like, I did all of this so you wouldn't just be hanging on the streets. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well it's clearly it's clearly all it's clearly all paid yeah. off and that's um Absolutely. Very grateful. How do you find the whole touring lifestyle? I'd love to talk to you about this because it is <laughs> you're obviously in a different city potentially each mm-hmm. day, maybe even a different country absolutely. each day. And yeah. <laughs> uh, can you just talk to me like what was the first big tour you did where you were traveling around different countries like rather than just all in one all in one place yeah um the first big tour I did was Keen Bandit in 2015 right and I was really like thrown into the deep end I was 22 I think at the time and um they'd obviously obviously had their big hit rather be and we did three America tours in that one year. We also toured Asia and Australia, did all the festivals, did Glastonbury, um, did Coachella. So that was a, like an intense way to start my session musician career. Um, and I just didn't know what to expect um, because I, I didn't really have many friends that had done that. Right. Um, so I was kind of just learning as I went on and because I was like the new person in the band because, you know, they're a band and they changed their setup. So they added like myself and another BV okay. to the band. So they'd already like had this dynamic that I just had to kind of work myself yeah. into or work around. And I think that's one of the big things that I've learned um, in touring It's is that you're only on stage for what, like an hour, Mm. you sound check for an hour and the rest of the day you're just vibing about and it's all about, you know, being able to hang out with different types of people. And my friends joke that like I'm a social chameleon, (laughs) but I've I've had to learn um, to do that because you're hanging out with all these different types of people. You're with musicians, you're with artists, you're with crew. Yeah. And you just have to learn how to adapt to these different social situations and environments and to just be easy to live with. Because you're, for example, on a tour bus for, you know, months on end and you're just living with these people that you don't really know. But then all of a sudden you see them 24 seven and, you know, it's it's a crazy world to live in. And I love it. But I've learned that it's all about the people that you're with. Like um, on the Maisie tour, it's my favourite tour that I've ever been on. Yeah. And obviously I've, I've loved all my other experiences and I've met some of my best friends on other gigs. 
but I feel like we just gel really well with the band and the crew. I think Maisie and the team have tried really hard to make sure that we've got the right dynamic amongst all of us. And I think we all balance each other out. Mm. We know when when someone's down, we, we pick them up or like, oh, this person just needs a bit of space or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that's really important. You just have to be hyper aware of everyone because you're with so many people all the time. Of course. Yeah, I can imagine it. I can imagine it'd be quite intense, particularly on the tour bus as well, you know, but that's, that's so, that's so interesting hearing about that. I think, um, I mean, there's obviously all the travel as well and that, that can yeah. be quite a, a, quite a, I mean, how do you, how do you find that? Are you kind of quite good with all the kind of jet lag and all those kind of things? Have you kind of got used to that now? Well, I used to be really good at sleeping and now I haven't been able to sleep for the past week since I've got back from America. Okay. But um, one of my skills is that I can nap anywhere. So I usually sleep very well on the plane. But I think that's what um, another misconception about touring is that, you know, you're you're in these great places all the time, but you don't have that much time to explore these places. No. And most of the time you're just tired and you just want to chill. You want to find a nice coffee shop or have a nice lunch, but you're not really able to see what that city has to offer most of the time. And you're just trying to find something nice to eat, which is quite hard yeah. in America <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I know. I was know? in LA in January and um, Billy, LA can be quite good, but it's weird though, isn't it? Yeah. It's like um, not every, it's not, it's not all um, healthy food everywhere like they'd have you believe, you know. It's funny. Obviously, if you're performing in the evening, you've got, I don't know, however many thousand people kind of screaming and, and it's quite a high adrenaline. And how do you kind of manage that to, to, to make sure that you stay grounded through a tour like that? Um, it's weird because being away for so long now, and especially after this year, you're tired all the time. Yeah. But then you go on stage and you feel the energy from the crowd and you're like, ah, oh, this is why we do this. This is why, you know... Um, I love doing what I do um, and that kind of gives you a burst of energy and so you kind of get through the gig that way. Yeah, okay. um, but I think it, it really is all about who you're with and I'm so lucky with the team that I'm touring with right now. Um, we kind of help each other to stay grounded and I think it's really important as well to keep in touch with friends and family and I, I found that helps to keep you grounded and, you know, to be aware that you're in this taut bubble and it's amazing, but there's also life outside of that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important to hold on to that and to all those relationships outside of work because it's really easy to get lost in that world. Yeah, of course. I think, I think yeah, that's, that's such good advice. Yeah, it can be a very much a bubble. <laughs> and then when you, yeah. when you come out of it, it's like you've sort of been catapulted out, you know. It's, um, Absolutely. It's kind of it, it can be kind of crazy. So going back to the piano, if you had an afternoon to yourself just in front yeah. with, a, with a keyboard or with a piano, I don't know, whatever it would be. You're, you're, <laughs> for those listening, you're kind of look, it's looking like you may not have a spare afternoon at the moment. But, um, <laughs> but uh, what would you play and what would you practice on the piano if you had that time what kind of things would you do do you have like a routine of things you practice or is it would it be around learning songs what kind of things would it be I guess it would be learning songs so I love the moment when you hear something and you're like wow I really want to learn that on the piano um so I I miss those moments because some you know um you listen to so much music and sometimes you just don't want to 
you want to have a break from yeah. music. But when I hear like a, a beautiful piano part or like, for example, even like a simple pop song where it's just maybe like driver's license, you're like, oh, yeah, that's really nice. And you know, that's, or like all, all of the Adele ballads or like a Sam Smith ballad. And you're like, ah, you know, it's so simple. But actually when you, when you break it down, you're like, ah, that's really tasteful. That voicing's really nice. Mm. Oh, I see you've, you know, you've done something there. And I love watching live videos as well. So like, you know, tiny desks are one of my favorite things in the world because I can hear other keys players express their interpretation of songs. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice. Like, I didn't expect you to play that or take it there. And mm. that's what I like to do when I'm sat at the piano um, yeah. on a day off. How do you kind of find you stay in shape on the piano? Do you have any like exercises you do or how does that work? I think if I'm honest on tour, you just get really rusty because um, you never really have the opportunity to sit at your gear because it's being set up during the day and you don't want to get in the way of the crew or like, you know, they're setting up the production or the lights. And I, sometimes when we're at Soundcheck too early, we get a look from the stage manager who's like, you guys are early, why are you here? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just need to figure out this song because we, we also do like um, a matinee performance for um, or like a VIP experience for some fans. And Maze loves to throw in some curveballs of like songs that we haven't played in like four years. Oh, wow. So I, ju I just need a moment to like figure out what I'm doing. And I, I bring a little Akai um, MIDI keyboard with me on tour. But a lot of the time you don't really have a chance because you don't really have any privacy or a moment to just sit yeah. somewhere. You know, most dressing rooms are tiny and you don't want to take up more space when there's like five, six of you sharing, you know. Yeah. Um, That's so interesting <laughs> you say when you're on tour that you can get quite rusty on the piano because yeah. because most people be like, but you're playing every night. <laughs> you're playing, you know. But you're playing, you're playing the same thing over and over and, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not getting better. You're just it becomes muscle memory and you're not really doing anything to mm. strengthen or get better. You're just somewhat staying consistent. You know, obviously I don't think you get worse, but I don't think you're necessarily getting any better. Mm, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you sometimes need to have something to practice that kind of gets mm -hmm. you, you get you, you, that you can't play, you know, that you can really yeah, get your teeth absolutely. into and think, Oh wow. I can't actually play that. And I need to really learn yeah. that. And Yeah. That's super exciting. Sort of wrapping up, uh, what yeah. what's kind of next for you? I mean, there is like one other question, which is, mm -hmm. do you have an ambition to release your own music and write your own songs and perform? Because obviously you sing, you've got all the kind of skills in order to do that. But do you have do you have that kind of drive at the moment to do that? Or are you really enjoying the kind of session work you're doing? Um, I'm enjoying the session work, but I also feel um, a desire to be creative, like... For myself so in when we get time in random hotel rooms I started doing production again and you find the love for it but it's also like a really frustrating process when you know you feel a bit a bit rusty and you're like oh that sounds terrible like um but it is just getting back into it again and it's always terrified me because nothing's ever good enough I found when I do something original I always hate it because it's never like as much, I, I don't love it as much as I love someone else's music, but I think, you know, you're your own worst critic. Of course, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I would I would definitely love to do uh, my own project. I think I would love to find a collaborator. Yeah. So if anyone's out there, you know, <laughs> hit me up. Um, where you just work well together or like they kind of feel they have strengths in where like where my weaknesses lie. Um, I'd love to find that because I've, I've done sessions in the past and, you know, there's nothing worse than not gelling with someone musically. And it's so like disheartening yeah. when it just doesn't work and you're just sat there trying to write something and it's just not happening and mm. you're like oh wow I'm just not good at this I'm just going to stick to playing other people's songs and it's so easy to do that but since I've turned 30 I'm like oh do you know what I'm just going to do it I'm just yeah gonna, you should you know yeah I'd love to hear it it sounds, sounds like it's gonna be very cool thank you um what's next for you well wrapping up thank you so much yeah. for um coming on the podcast it's been really great to have you i know everyone's going to really enjoy listening to this episode and everyone has to go check out your instagram and all those i'm going to put a link to those that youtube playlist that's got all the different mm-hmm. uh, clips of you playing uh, where else can people go and where can people go and hear you and what would you suggest they go check out Oh, tricky. Um, I would just like um, find me on Instagram. I'm at Tina Keys, T-N-A Keys, K-E-Y-S. Um, and if anyone has any questions, like I, I love it when people reach out and have questions about being in the industry or like, oh, I want to, you know, get into it or I really enjoy playing. Like, I don't know what to do with it. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, where you can find me. I'm currently touring with Macy Peters. We're doing a UK tour. We've got a European tour next year um, and going to be in Australia. It's I'm always on the road, but that's <laughs> reach me on social media if anyone has any questions. Sounds very, very cool. I'll put links to all of that in the description. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been so amazing chatting. Aw, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Massive thanks to Tina for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed that conversation. So many insights into the industry. Do go and check out all those links in the description and go and hear her play live. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and I'll see you in the next episode.